Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Kind of Funny X-Cast, your home for all things Xbox here at Kind of Funny. Of course, I'm one of your hosts, Snowbike Mike, doing a little solo intro for the week because in just a moment, we're going to have an awesome interview and sit down with the head of creative for Halo Infinite, Joseph Staten. We'll talk all things Halo Season 2 and beyond, so please stick around for that. But I thought I'd do this really quick solo, give you the housekeeping news, spread some excitement for the big interview, and then we'll jump right into that. So don't forget that this is the Kind of Funny X-Cast. We post each and every Saturday at 6 a.m. West Coast, Best Coast time on YouTube.com slash Kind of Funny Games, RoosterTeeth.com, and of course on podcast services around the globe. This is a very special episode for me and hopefully for all of you because today is my birthday when you're listening to this, or it was just a day ago when you listen a little bit later, but it's a really special one because as many of you know, if you listen to the podcast, you know, I love Halo. I love Halo Infinite and I'm so excited to talk all things Halo here on the podcast. And so it's a big deal to have Joseph Staten, the head of creative to join us here on this podcast, especially for my birthday. What a great time. So make sure to lock in and enjoy that. But don't also forget that we are now Epic Games Partners, which means you can use our Epic Creator Code, kind of funny, at checkout anytime you're buying games off the Epic Game Store. Maybe you're upgrading your look in Fortnite with some V-Bucks, or maybe you're playing Fortnite now over on iOS thanks to Xbox Cloud Gaming. We'll learn a little bit more about that in the news. But make sure you use our Epic Creator Code, kind of funny, anytime you're doing things over on the Epic Game Store. Another one, we'd like to give a big thank you to our Patreon producers for the month of May. Thank you for supporting us here at Kind of Funny. Thank you to Anonymous, Fargo Brady, Tyler Ross, Delaney Twinning, First Responder ND, Julian the Gluten-Free Gamer, Alex J. Sandoval, James Hastings, and Casey Andrews. Of course, one more big thank you to our sponsors for this week's Kind of Funny X-Cast, ExpressVPN, Chime, and Babbel. But myself and the team will tell you all about that in just a little bit. With that, let's jump right in to this awesome interview with Head of Creative for Halo Infinite, Joseph Staten. Enjoy. Welcome in, everyone. We have a very special interview and an awesome guest joining us on this week's Kind of Funny X-Cast. The Head of Creative for Halo Infinite, Mr. Joseph Staten, is in the building. Joe, will kick it off a simple one. How are you feeling today? And how are you feeling with the launch of Season 2 of Halo Infinite? I'm feeling good. It is Friday uh, it has been an interesting week in the world of Halo Infinite. Uh, some great things, some bumps along the way. Excited to get into all that with you guys. But uh, yeah, it's been a it's been a good week. You guys doing all right? How are you feeling? Doing good. Doing good. Doing good. You yeah, doing great. It's Friday. It's Friday. We're happy to have you. And of course, all three of us got a lot of questions for you. All things Halo Infinite. But uh, you know, Joe, I've been out there battling in Last Spartan Standing, trying to get my wins, trying to go up against everyone who is much better than me. So I do want to give a big shout out to you and the team for this fun game mode. I really, really enjoy it. And I think it's a great way to show off Breaker, the brand new big team battle map. Yeah, that's kind of you to say. I mean, it's, I trust me, I'm getting my butt handed to myself uh, multiple times. I, you know, it's funny, when you when you launch a new mode, if you're on the development team, you've got like a golden hour when you're this like god on the battlefield where you know the rules and you know the new map and you know all the routes. And then about an hour in, you just get obliterated by, by everybody who gets up to speed pretty quick. So it's always a good humbling experience to uh, to be out there playing with play with players. Um, yeah, no, I mean, Last Spartan Standing, it's it's a lot of fun. And the fun thing about putting out a new mode is we get thousands of people jumping in and telling us what they love and the things they don't like very much. And for us as developers, that's exactly what we love to get is feedback. And, you know, we go back in and we make adjustments and, uh, you know, we'll see the mode improve and change uh, over time. And so, yeah, it's, it's, it's just great to have more people jump in and play. 
that that is fantastic. First of all, big fan of all your work going all the way back to the early Halo days. Um, I have to ask this question, and and I was I didn't get to watch your live stream for season two, so I only actually <laughs> got to watch it the other day, and it was funny. I, yeah. I saw the conversation that you and Brian were having, and you mm -hmm. talked about putting the well-being and the health of the team first. And obviously you also talked about season two and not being happy with yeah. season two and its yeah. length. So I kind of wanted to give you the opportunity to maybe talk about that to our audience and, and why you're not happy with season two and why it's important to put the well-being of, of the uh, team first. I'm glad you brought that up because I really did want to say clearly to everybody in that live stream and say it again now. I think it's sometimes when you're when you're a fan uh, of any game and you look at the development team, it's really hard to understand what's going on inside the inside the building, or in our case, you know, a lot of houses and apartments, and because we're still not all back in the same building together as a team, and wonder like what are they what are they up to like what what's on what's on their mind? Um, do are they happy with the state of the game? Do they think this is this is all great? And I wanted to say really openly. No, no, none of us on the Halo team look at where we are right now and think this is a great, a great place to be in. We we don't want to be shipping seasons every six months. We want to be shipping seasons, you know, every every three months on a much more regular basis right. than we as we originally talked about. Um, at the same time, you know, the reality is that we're just not ready to do that right now. We have too much other stuff we need to to do. Commitments we've made to our fans, like shipping campaign co-op and mission re replay and forge out there as quickly as we can so we can get great community content back in our in our ecosystem you know 343 it's been really interesting coming back to the team i've worked on a lot of halo games uh, but this team takes on a, a lot of work like we try to deliver a lot of experiences um and all of them are are complicated and they're interdependencies and it's a really challenging uh, just set of like software to to deliver um and this isn't me making excuses for the team at all. It's just the reality of where where we are. It's just it's a you know the Halo um, game business is is complicated these days. There's a lot of stuff we're trying to do. So as we're trying to get into shape to work on our seasonal content and make all these other um, commitments true, I think it's really easy to lose sight of the fact that there are people who are making these things. You know, they're 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 people working hard who love the game. You know, want to make it great, um, and it's tough on the team to hear the, the commentary right now. I mean, it just, it's, it's, it's painful some days to hear the chatter online and how some people are really happy and some people aren't really happy. Um, to be clear, I and everybody else on the team would way rather hear people who aren't happy right now. Like if we heard no chatter, no conversation, if there was no feedback, that would be awful, right? If people didn't care and didn't want to speak up, that would be, that would be terrible. I actually really appreciate people who do speak up honestly and talk about what they like and what they and what they don't like, but it's but it's hard. Everybody on the team cares a lot. Everybody on the team wants to be in a better position. Everybody in the team wants to move fast and, and get stuff out. Um, and we're slowly getting up to speed. And every day we have little victories and sometimes setbacks and we'll get into that position we want to be. We all want to get there faster. Um, but I think it's just really important for everybody to understand who's passionate about Halo, that we are too. We want, we want the best for the game. We want the best for players. Even if some days it doesn't seem like that for whatever miscommunication or you know bug that we introduced in a build, um, that's those are unintended uh, errors, and we're fixing them fixing them quickly. But the most important thing I care about is is the health of the team uh, and making sure that you know people are here working every day to get this get this stuff done. Because we don't have a team, we can't do we can't do anything. Right, right. Exactly. And so team health is always is always number one. Joe, just in terms of um, this week and the launch of season two, um, I think it's really interesting what you said about that golden hour, where as a developer, you've got that advantage of knowing every nook and cranny of every map and every little trick before the player base get their hands on it and they catch it very quickly. That kind of speaks to something we've talked about on the Xcast before about how it takes a long time to make content, but players, especially elite players, will chew through it very, very quickly and immediately be like, okay, what else you got? I've done that now. So I'm just, I'm just kind of curious, um, this specifically this week, I'm sure there's all kinds of different ways that 
that you gather data. As soon as you release season two to the wild, right, you're going to get deluged with, with data, both players actively telling you what they think through numerous channels, but also just from, I can't even begin to imagine all the ways that you can kind of passively monitor analytics and you, know, you can you can see millions of people playing and you, you're able to kind of get a picture of what people are responding to and what are, are, are not responding to. Just in the few days that season two has been live, what are the key things that you've learned already? Well, first of all, I want to admit that I probably lied earlier when I said that I personally get a golden hour. Uh, this guy usually gets about a golden 20 minutes um, in terms of how quickly uh, the apex predators uh, put me in my place. But um, kidding aside, actually not really kidding, that's totally true. Um, we get all kinds of data. You're right, Gary, for sure. Like we get just raw telemetry out of the game. You know, we we can uh, just just see data in terms of how many people are jumping into playlists, how many people are in the maps, like uh, a whole bunch of a whole bunch of data that we can just just see. Um, and we can definitely see other things as well, like how people are using weapons, where are they dying? You know, all these all these kinds of inputs just flow in. And so that's our sort of set of uh, objective data that we just get purely out of the software. You know, we often say the truth is in the software. The truth is just in how people are are playing the game. Whatever your design principles or design intentions, like the rubber hits the road and people jump in and the truth is in the is in the data, is in the software. Then we get a whole bunch of more subjective data um, or anecdotal data that comes in through a variety of channels, could come in through social, could come in through, you know, the press, uh, could come in through a lot of different uh, places. Like we had this great HCS tournament this last weekend in Kansas City, right? I mean, nothing really puts your game on display, like a bunch of pros jumping in and sh like showing what it's capable of, right? It's like watching an F1 race. Like you might, you might, you might think you're pretty good at driving a car, or like understand how the car is built, and then you like watch the experts play, and then you learn, you learn a lot by seeing that level level of play. And for us as developers, this is this is awesome. I mean, we love to see people play. We love to learn. We love to see the good. We love to see the bad because we're always looking for ways to to improve the experience. And so that's really what's been happening this week. And you can see us adapting pretty quickly to things that we notice in the in the wild. We just put a tweet out yesterday, for example. Players have been experiencing uh, some gun jamming on semi-automatic weapons, or what they what they interpret as gun jamming. Um, it's actually not a feature or a mechanic that we were trying to put in. It was actually a bug fix to go after a pretty pretty serious problem with some of the weapons where there were where there were exploits. It's the kind of thing that you can't really see if it's working just by being in a test level and shooting at a wall. You know, you can't even really see in a small scale internal testing. You really need to get to a volume of people jumping in before you can really see. Is this was this working or not? And this is just one of those things that it wasn't it wasn't working as intended, and so we're going after it now, and we're testing a fix, and going to get that out as soon as as soon as we can. So it's a mix of you, know, you plan for certain things, you know, and and really looking at data according to things you planned, and then there are things that you just don't you just don't expect, and you're really eager to get that data in real time too. The first week after launch is the first couple of weeks are always that just drinking from a fire hose of all these all these different inputs, and then really carefully. Day by day, you know, going through meetings, we have a, a war room that's running every every day where we just are looking at all these inputs, tracking bugs, figuring out fixes, community conversations. You know, what what are we going to communicate? Uh, what's accurate? What can we what can we talk about? Uh, it's it's a really fun time of game development, but also you know stressful too because you've got a whole bunch of people playing your game uh, and giving you a lot of a lot of feedback. But I'm just really proud of how the team has been been rocking and rolling this week you know the the wonderful team thing about working on the halo team is we got a bunch of professionals who just take all these inputs rack it up come up with solutions knock them down move on and you know that that level of professionalism under a lot of stress i just thanks to the team and super proud of the way uh we're digging in this week Joe, i want to follow up we talk about player expectations and of course your team's expectations of where you're at what we've done since launch I want to know on that corporate side, right? We've heard from the outside that Microsoft has really turned a new leaf with Team Xbox and how they approach their developers and, you know, treat them with giving them enough time. Have you felt that, Joe, with you and your team when you talk to people like Phil Spencer and Matt Booty and the team over there? Yeah, I mean, I haven't had a chance to catch up with Phil or Matt directly in in a little bit because, you know, we've all been busy. But in talking with Bonnie, you know, the, the head of 343, abs absolutely. Like, we, as the Halo team... Uh, we know getting our live game up to speed is going to take time that we're moving slower than, than we want and we need to accelerate. We feel nothing but support from Xbox and leadership. You know, running service games is, is tricky. You know, running service games is challenging, especially when we're not only trying to run a free-to-play game, but standing up Forge and campaign co-op and 
some other things that we're working on. Um, and so this is all this is all challenging, but we all we, we feel the support 100% across across the board, um, and that makes you know that makes our jobs easier easier for sure. So I I, I want to bring this back around to to the campaign co-op and and more specifically Forge. Um, I've definitely been one of the more vocal people talking about Halo, like you talked about the community and not necessarily always hearing hearing great things. You you obviously you know need to hear the critical feedback at the same time. I've I've said for a while that Halo Infinite couldn't just be good; it needs to be great. And mm -hmm. I want it to be great because I have literally been a fan since day one. So yeah. when the campaign came out, I remember thinking, ah, you don't need, need co-op right away. It, it'll be fine. Halfway through playing that campaign, I go, oh, my God, I miss co-op. I want yeah. co-op. Yeah. Um, obviously, we know there's been a delay. We're, we're going to get it here later this summer. But then yeah. I also think about Forge and I think about the multiplayer community. So I'm just, just curious to get your perspective on this. What do you feel bringing forge into the mix along with this co-op is going to do in, do for engagement with the game because if i've had a concern that that i've voiced is i wonder with these long seasons and you've obviously explained why we understand is that a concern that you're going to get the community to come back and engage with the game when you get things like forge and co-op in place yeah well we i mean we certainly hope that uh People stay, and uh, for people who have drifted away, that they that they come back. That's always that's always the hope, right? Um, but we got to give people a reason to to stay right. and come back, and that's what we're working hard to do. I, I totally agree with you, Paris. Like the first time I played Halo Infinite, and um, just playing by myself, I, I immediately I was like, oh man, like I need to play this with somebody else. This is, right, this is gonna right. be really really fun playing with somebody else. And having played co-op, you know, a lot since then, um, and pretty recently too, that it's it's totally clear that when you jump in and play in this new more open world style of game uh, it's just all that halo magic of playing with with your friends just comes comes rushing back and so uh i i think that when that when that lands when mission replay lands as well uh the summer that it's going to be a great opportunity for people to to come back in but we, but we have to earn that like i don't we don't have we don't sit around all day expecting anything we don't take anything for for granted we gotta we gotta work um you know halo is a 20 year old franchise but Guess what? There are a lot of other great games you could play out there there too, and so right. we don't take people's time for granted. Um, we know that you know we got some rebuilding to do and and some trust to earn back, but that's that's okay. I, I just I'm really honest about these things because I because it's just who I am, and also I don't I think people see through through see through dishonesty pretty pretty quickly. Like yeah, like we gotta we gotta bring people back, but camping co-op is magical. It always has been magical. Don't be back in with your friends and playing Halo. I I love it, and and I think a lot of other people love it too. And Forge and the work that we've done to add functionality to Forge, like really exciting stuff for for content creators and people who just jumping in and making things. And of course, for the whole community to enjoy all these wonderful ideas that come out of our fans, fans' creative minds. Like it, that's always been part of Halo. Well, you know, since we shipped shipped Forge, but that expression, being able to jump in, play with your friends, make machinima, make Forge maps, that's always been right. such a big part of why I, I love this universe. And I think a lot of millions of people love it too for these reasons. Um, but we have to we have to bring these tools back. We have to enable people to use them. We have to get it out there. We have to get the feedback. We have to we have to do that. I'm you know super fired up about the summer and the stuff that we're gonna that we're gonna put out. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, it's it's we don't take anything for granted. We we really we really really don't, and that's why I'm super proud of this team digging in every day with that spirit of showing up to serve. Like we're here to serve the franchise. We're here to serve our community. We're here to ship great experiences. Um, that's how we that's how we operate, um, and we'll keep doing that. Forge really seems like a a, a big deal in terms of you know the, the amazing stuff has been created in previous iterations of Forge, right? And I just kind of feel again, there's this sense that when you're creating a live game, you're always behind the eight ball, because again, the, the community is yeah. chewing through content so quickly. Um, and, and obviously the, 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 um, the frustration around like, oh, season two is six months, like we're gonna burn through that in like in, in no time at all. And you know, you get to that point where like, what else is there for me yeah. to do? Is there a sense that once you get Forge out into the world, um, while you're still gonna wanna create your own official content and keep that going, but once Forge is out there, is there a sense that like the beast starts to feed itself a little bit by creating, with, with the community created content? Yeah, I mean, great question. Just just real quick before answering, I mean, it is true that season six, season six, season two is six months. Um, 
along the way, though, we've got some really fun stuff planned. Uh, you know, we just did Last Spartan Standing with this first story event. Uh, I think in a couple weeks, we've got the first uh, Fracture event in Trench that's coming out with a new game mode, Land Grab, um, and the second cool armor core that you can start uh, unlocking pieces for and, and earning. Uh, looks super sweet. It's like this, you know, uh, World War II sort of heavy soldier-inspired um, Fractures armor set that's just super awesome. Uh, and then we've got this more fun event, the Yappening in the middle of the season that's a little bit more wacky, and and we got some other stuff coming coming too. So, and then of course campaign co-op, Forge Beta also happening in season two. So there's a lot of there's a lot of good stuff that's coming down the pipe. That said though, you're right. Like we we know that people are always going to consume our content faster than we can ever possibly make it. That's just a reality of live of live games. Um, so Forge for us is super critical um getting getting our fans in generating things that they're passionate about sharing with the community uh, like i said that's that's always been this flywheel for halo it's always been this way that we get new engaging novel stuff in there for people to play and the stuff that we have planned like um the things that people are going to get their hands on in the forge beta like i think that's going to make it easier for people to create content i think they're going to have more options to do cool things um the maps that you can make, the things you can combine, have looked better than they've ever looked in terms of just lighting and presentation and just, you know, sometimes in the past, the Forge created content, there's a pretty big delta visually between like what those handcrafted maps that the, the, the 343 or Bungie makes and the, the Forge maps, just because of the technical technical realities of putting together stuff in and sort of kit bashing things together. But we've really narrowed that, that delta in terms of visual fidelity and a, Couple of the Forge maps uh, that we're looking at right now—they're made made by our team. Um, I mean, they look they look really, 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 really good. So I think that's exciting too, like in terms of quality presentation and just what people are going to be able to do. Um, I'm, I'm really, really excited to see what to see what happens there. Guys, we are coming near the end of our time with Big Joe. Well, I know how you. fast it went by. <laughs> I'm, I'm blown away with how much fun and yeah. how fast it went by. We'll open it up. Paris Gary, do you have any closing questions before we have to say goodbye? I'd like to ask this because I, I get this one a lot in the community. I was actually in the spaces the other day talking about Halo, and this one came up a couple times. Uh, the common, I think, misconception, and maybe you can clear this up, is why don't you just bring back the, the maps from the old games and put them into Halo Infinite, and that could kind of be a buffer while we have this extended season. Can you kind of explain why you can or cannot do that? with just the flip of a switch. That's a good idea, Paris. <laughs> oh. I mean, all, all, all kidding aside, like, yeah. uh, I, I can talk about some things, but I can't talk about other things. Right. Like, there are some great Halo maps. Um, I think we all have our personal favorite. Guardian, Gulch, Pit. Like, there are a lot of maps that are awesome, right? I think it'd be awesome to play on those maps again. Don't don't you guys? Like that sounds like a fun thing. I, I, I think it would be a fantastic yeah. thing. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll I'll mark that in my yeah. I'll mark that in my oh, little, I'm taking my full credit book. for it if, if it happens. How about that? <laughs> uh, you know, talking about maps, Joe. I guess you know that's a fun one because that's what I wanted to bring up. Looking back in all the years, what is your favorite map? What is your dream to go back and play on with this brand new engine and all the cool movement mechanics we have? Well, I mean, I named a couple of them, like Ascension. I, like, there are other reasons, but, um, you know, Lockout. I mean, there, there are just so many good, great maps out there. Um, as much as those those um, classic maps I'm excited about, the other things that we're working on right now internally, whether it's, uh, you know, additional Arena and BTB content, other kinds of content, there's so much awesome work that the team is doing right now. And what's really exciting about being a 343 right now is it's painful to, to slow down slow down and and really focus on quality of life not because we don't believe in doing it like that's 100 percent what we should be doing but as we're doing this what's fun about it is we can see this like bow wake building or this momentum building with all with the content that's that's coming and i'm not talking about it today but like playing on these maps because we we play on them right I'm seeing seeing the stuff that's in development for the sandbox, seeing plans further out. Um, I, I'm super fired up, more fired up than I've ever been, honestly, to be working in Halo, even on tough weeks like this one, because we can see the future, we can see where we're going. I just really appreciate our fans for speaking up, telling us what they like, 
but they don't like. Um, I know it's hard to be patient and have trust some days. I just trust me, like we're working our butts off. We got cool stuff coming. Um, yeah, stick with us. It's gonna be it's gonna be bumpy some weeks, but we're gonna get there, and uh, it's gonna be a lot of fun. All right. Well, that's all the time that we get with you. I got to make sure you get out on the hard out. So Joseph right. Dayton, thank you so much for joining us here on the Kind of Funny X-Cast. It was awesome, a pleasure and an honor to sit down and talk all things Halo with you. And we'll definitely have you back on again when we get some more time and we can share some more stories. Yes. All right. That sounds good. Thank you guys for the time. It was a lot Thanks, of fun. Joe. Shout out to Chime for sponsoring this episode. No one likes waiting on a paycheck, especially when you've got bills due. Good thing there's Chime. Now you can get your paycheck up to two days early with direct deposit. That's up to two more days to save, pay bills, and generally just feel good about your money situation. But Chime is more than just about getting paid early. It's also an award-winning mobile app, checking account, debit card, and optional savings account. So what are you waiting for? Hopefully not your paycheck. You can get started with Chime today. Applying for a free account takes less than two minutes you can get started at chime.com slash kf games that's chime.com slash kf games chime.com slash kf games banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp bank or stride bank na members fdic early access to direct deposit funds depends on Hair. Shout out to Babbel for sponsoring this episode. For most of us, learning a second language in high school or college wasn't exactly a high point in our academic careers. Definitely not me. I took Spanish, didn't do well in it the first time, did okay the second time. You know what? We'll move on. Now, thanks to Babbel, a language learning app that sold more than 10 million subscriptions, there's an addictively fun and easy way to learn a new language. Whether you'll be traveling abroad, connecting in a deeper way with family, or you just have some free time, Babbel teaches bite-sized language lessons that you'll actually use in the real world. Greg Miller has been learning French little by little, and now when he goes back home to, to Canada to see Jen's family, he'll be able to communicate better. Isn't that a lovely situation? Babbel's 15-minute lessons make it the perfect way to learn a new language on the go. Plus, Babbel's speech recognition technology helps you to improve your pronunciation and accent. Right now, you can save up to 60% off your subscription when you go to babbel.com slash kindoffunny. That's B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash kindoffunny for up to 60% off your subscription. Babbel, language for life. One more time, babbel.com slash kindoffunny. Shout out to ExpressVPN for sponsoring this episode. Using the internet without ExpressVPN is like walking your dog in public without securing them on a leash. Most of the time, you'll probably be fine, but what if one day your dog runs away or gets dog-napped? It's better to be careful, especially when it's as simple as using ExpressVPN. We've been using ExpressVPN here at Kind of Funny for years now. Me personally, I've been using it, and I know that my internet browsing is secure. It just gives me that peace of mind that I need. Every time you connect to an unencrypted network in cafes, hotels, airports, your online data is not secure, but ExpressVPN creates a secure encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet so they can't, and it's great. I use it on my desktop. I use it on my phone. I use it everywhere that I use the internet. It would take a hacker with a supercomputer over a billion years to get past ExpressVPN's encryption. You can get an extra three months of ExpressVPN at expressvpn.com slash kindoffunny. That's expressvpn.com slash kindoffunny, E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V vpn.com slash kind of funny guys it's so awesome to kick off the show with you it is a special show of course it is my birthday tomorrow so it's a birthday show for me very special and uh really an honor to share with both of you so i'm excited to talk about the news but first before we do that well personally what's going on how are you my guy oh i'm good i'm good it is uh it has been quite the interesting week in the world of gaming and and in my personal life so i'm, I'm good my, good to speaking hear. of birthdays, my son will be 16 next week, and he's driving. I let him drive me. I, he when he goes to school, I let him drive to school and and back home. And I've become less and less terrified as the days go by. So he's doing a good job. <laughs> that is what we like to hear. He's doing a good job. Yeah. We're getting less terrified. Happy early birthday to him! And yeah. man, oh man, have fun. Be safe behind the wheel out there for him. Gary Witta, you're my gaming dad. What do you think about when you think about your kids getting behind the wheel? What, are, you, are you nervous? Are you excited? Are you anxious? What about that moment for you? Have you thought about that yet? You know, my daughter's almost 10 years old. And when she was born back in 2012, uh, I was thinking about that. And I was thinking, man, by the time she's old enough to drive a car, she may not need to. Like the self-driving stuff will just be oh. the norm, right? The tech, okay. The technology will be there. 10 years on... 
I'm a little skeptical about that. I don't think it, it seems like the self-driving technology has been a little slower to, to evolve oh. and develop than we would have liked. I have it in my Tesla. I still don't trust it. It, it does weird and wacky things. All the, and, and anytime you take your hands off the wheel, you just don't, it just doesn't feel right. Like I think there's a big, there's, there's just going to a big psychological leap that humans are going to have to make in order to feel comfortable, like being driven around by, by a computer essentially. But we'll, we'll, we'll see. Um, it's, uh, it's it's still it's still a ways off. I, but you, Paris will tell you, like you you, you think uh, your kid turning sixteen is a, a long way off. In reality, you wake up one morning and there it is. It's happened. Right? It's, it's, <laughs> it's 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 just around. It's just around the corner. So um, yeah, well, I, I just just like everything else, I will, I will cross that bridge when I come to it. I love that. So, uh, so, so Gary, actually, you, you and I got to talk about something really quick before we get it to the show. So yeah. You mentioned Tesla. I, oh, I know. Okay, okay. I, I, oh, you're, you're getting seen, one, aren't you? Yeah, I've seen everything that you have said about your experience with Tesla. I had a bad I should, experience. I, yes. I should have mine next month. Okay. So we're, we're, we're going to find out if you're right. I, I'm I, hoping I, you I, have a better experience. Yeah. I think so, some, of the, some, some, of the, some of the problems that I have are, are specific to my model of the car. You're getting a different model. So you may be okay. And I know, and I, and I know many people out there who own Teslas who, who love them. Uh, maybe I'm just unlucky, but yeah, my, my, I'll, I've said it before. I'll say it again. My Tesla is a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> he says it to you. He says it. Yeah. He says it every time. I always have, I always have Gary in the back of my it's, head. It, like, it oh, just started doing Tesla. another thing this week. I'm, every, every 10 minutes, it's sending me a message on the app. Your passenger, uh, front passenger side windows open. <laughs> Fucking not. <laughs> it's not. I just went out there and checked it. Oh, every week is something gosh. new with this fucking car. Don't even get uh, me started. Oh my God. Prayer circle for me. I need I need, no, I need a spirit yeah. bomb. Yeah. Every time, Paris, you share your excitement about the Tesla, Gary Whittle will tweet yeah. something off like 20 no! minutes later. And I'm like, oh man, like I'm feeling no, to so be to be fair, Paris I didn't want now. to rain on Paris's parade when he tweeted his excitement about getting a Tesla. I wasn't up, I wasn't all up in his mentions going, oh well, you know, Tesla's a <laughs> shitty. I'm just I what happens is I I don't want to do it. I've got no particular beef. I don't personally, I don't think I, I don't personally have a lot of love for elon musk i think he's a dickhead but but aside from that i think you know i'm, I'm a big believer in uh evs and you know electric cars are the way forward um and tesla's the market leader at least for right now i think that's going to change in the years to come but um yeah it's not like i'm sitting around like what, what can i think of to shitty to say about tesla these days i'm sitting around minding my own business and my car will stop fucking with me and like, I get so frustrated by it. I got to say something about it. I got to tweet something out. And if it seems like I'm tweeting a lot about how much my Tesla is a piece of shit, it's because my Tesla is reminding me that it's a piece of shit all the fucking time. That's all. And now I'm done. Oh my gosh. What a great way. I can't to... wait. I still can't wait. I'm <laughs> oh excited. my gosh. My Paris, what are you getting? Right a you're getting a Model 3? Yeah, I got the Model I think 3. I think you'll be all right. I think you'll be yeah. fine. I think that's that's like the most recent one. I think that, you know, the, I think there's been fewer problems with those, but I guarantee, and again, I'm not trying to run you a parade. I guarantee you something will irritate you about that car. I mean, you can say that about any car, right? Yeah, There's yeah. always something like you could get, you could, you could get like a, like, you know, the most expensive car in the market and someone's going to piss you off about it. Every car has, has its own little quirks. Let me, let me say this. I hope not, but we'll see. I mean, like but I, said, and I, I will I, also I, say I, I this, it will also, I, there's, there's a lot, like I drove past, I drove, I drove past a gas station the other day. And I saw the gas prices and I was like, man, I'm so glad I have an electric car right now. And it get, you get to a point where like gas stations almost feel like, something from another age. I haven't been to a gas station since 2018. I haven't put fuel in a car since 2018. That's wild. And it seems so old fashioned now to, to, to power a car that way. Do you know what I mean? Somebody I just, I just spent $80 filling my tank. I can't wait to Ooh. get my Tesla. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, somebody, so somebody told me years ago, I did research on a, on a, on a film project and I was talking to someone from um, um, uh, Berkeley university who did um, a lot of research into kind of energy and the future of energy. And they were, it was long before Tesla even existed and long before electric cars were mainstream. But the idea was out there, right? And they, would, they were saying, yeah, electric cars are going to be everywhere at some point. And he said something really interesting. He said, he said give it another 20 or 30 years, which is about kind of now at this point, probably we're about 10 years, 10 years out from where he was predicting. Uh, he said, people who drive gasoline vehicles will be looked upon the way the smokers are today. Mm. Like you'll put, be putting gasoline in the car and people will be like, really? Really, you're gonna do they're that? They're gonna look at like, uh, those people and be like, "Ah, oh, they look cool. They look cool." Yeah, Well, that's. I mean, that, I mean, that's the thing, though. Like the ga gas, like a gas guzzling, like Ford Mustang, and that throaty, you know, engine sound that you only get from a gasoline vehicle. Yeah, that is still cool. 
but it, it's it, it they're, they're going to become like these relics of the past and you know people people will always have them and it, it'll be like vinyl right like, like there's not a lot of market for vinyl records but there's like a niche market of people who will still make them there'll still be gasoline coming out of the ground and people will still be driving gasoline cars but it will be like a but it will be like It'll an be enthusiast thing mm -hmm. rather than the rather than the mainstream all right, well, let, let's talk about the future. Let's talk about some cool rad stuff, and let's talk about things that could one day become the mainstream because to kick off this week in the news, we have a really cool one. And Gary, I know you're going to smile because Xbox and Epic have partnered up to bring Fortnite to Xbox Cloud Gaming for free. That's right. No subscription is needed to Xbox Game Pass or Xbox Game Pass Ultimate. You just need the supported browser-enabled devices. So, Fortnite fans can now play on iOS, iPad, iOS, Android phone or tablet or Windows PC without a Game Pass account. All the players need is an internet connection and a Microsoft account. Gary Witta, this was a big one when we had the Apple versus Epic, uh, of course, big case going down. They took it off the Apple iOS program there. Now, Microsoft working with Epic to bring it into cloud gaming. How do you feel about this? Yeah, so I guess not a not a huge deal if you if you have an Android phone, right? Because you could always just go get Fortnite for free from the Google Store, right, and play it. But if you do have an iPhone and and that and that iOS ban has been in place for a while now, that's still it's still going to irritate Epic, right? It's a, especially here in the US, it's a massive chunk of the mobile market is is iOS, um, and there's been no way to play Fortnite on it since you know the the Apple uh, Epic um, war broke out. But this is a this is a nice little workaround, right? No need for no need for a subscription. Um, I, I guess it's it's going to be pretty easy. So I, I don't know how much this will be a game changer in terms of the overall kind of Fortnite picture on iOS. But it seems like a it seems like it's going to make Fortnite viable again on on Apple devices uh, for, a, for in, in a way it hasn't been for for a while now. Yeah, it's great for Fortnite. I can't wait to get Paris in this because we've talked about Xbox everywhere, right? And being able to play anywhere and everywhere. And this is the exciting one of now cloud streaming games that are free to play titles, right? And your mind starts to run of like, we just had Joseph Satan on, right? Halo free to play multiplayer. How do we swing this into that kind of workaround with cloud gaming? Paris, I'm pretty amped up about the future when I think of this. Of course, I'm playing a lot of Fortnite, but not on my iOS. What are you thinking right now when we talk about that play anywhere and everywhere? To me, this is the kickoff. This is this is the the plan that when Microsoft and Xbox talks about, we want to get billions of people globally to start gaming, this is how you do it. it. It is going to be free to play games. It is decoupling cloud streaming from Game Pass and having that access. So Fortnite is obviously going to be the first. Halo Infinite clearly is a no brainer. You, you know, you make a deal with EA, you get Apex on down the line, you get more of these free to play titles in there. So it does become a, hey, just go try it kind of thing. There's, there's no obligation. You don't have to subscribe because we know not everybody's going to subscribe to Game Pass. And right now, that's the barrier to entry to get people to try cloud streaming. It's like, I don't want to say I've been arguing on social media, but people have been disagreeing with me on social media because I've been talking about this the past couple of days. And as the infrastructure continues to get built out globally, as we see them continue to reduce latency and broadband speeds increase, this is going to be, you know, and they were already talking, we've talked a million times, getting the, the, the Xbox app on a smart TV, you know, a dongle, whatever the case may be, the more ways that you're able to basically tell somebody, just pick up a controller, hit the button, start playing, the more people that you're going to get to start gaming. And I, yeah, this Fortnite thing, yeah, obviously it's a workaround with iOS, but it's a sign of where they're headed. And, yeah. and it's pretty exciting, in my opinion, because... We're looking at it today. Yeah, cloud gaming is not the optimal way to play a game. We all know that. No one argues that. But who's to say it can't be viable way five years from now, seven years from now, whatever the case for everything that I just stated. And again, as we talk about other regions of the world that may not necessarily be able to have a console sitting under a TV, but they got that phone in their hand. And with the touch controls and the broadband over 5G, they just download the app, press a button, boom, they're playing. This, this is what Microsoft is trying to do. This is where they're taking the cloud technology. And then when you also throw in, because this is the other side of the coin, it's not even necessarily about having cloud-only games. You're also, we, and we're seeing early signs of that with a game like Flight Simulator, where you're integrating 
basically cloud compute into a game to get a game to do things that it can't do with local hardware alone. This is where that overall strategy is going. So when you see this with Fortnite, like I said, to me, this is just a kickoff of where it's headed. And it would not shock me at all that this is kind of the my, we, we kind of get the full unveiling the rest of this year for what Microsoft's plans are going to be with, with cloud gaming. So, yeah, I think it's pretty exciting. Pretty exciting stuff. And maybe just the kickoff is right, because today, Gary Witta, you might have gotten your wish. Our good friend Jeff Grubb from Venture Beat and GamesBeat has a fun article about a streaming dongle that I know one big Gary Witta loves out there. He writes, in the next 12 months, Microsoft plans to release an Xbox cloud gaming streaming device. This will likely look like an Amazon or Fire Stick or perhaps a small Roku-like puck or like a Roku. The Xbox streaming device will enable you to access movies and TV services in addition to the library of games through the Xbox Game Pass Ultimate, along with an app, he believes as well, within the next 12 months. Gary Witta, Pear Springs up the kickoff. This is the next step, right? This is what you want to see. Yeah, it's a logical next step. We've predicted it and talked about it on this show many, many times. Uh, it doesn't matter. I don't think it makes us geniuses to have predicted this. It's kind of a no-brainer, right? Why wouldn't you do right. this? It's, it, yeah. it makes a lot. It makes a lot of sense. Um, and just to kind of re return to our previous predictions in the same vein, the next step will be um, apps baked into TVs. You're going to see that Xbox Game Pass app. You know, you, you, when you go to Walmart, you're going to look at the wall of TVs, and every every 4K TV that you see these days has the little the stickers at the bottom, right? Amazon, you know, Prime Video, Disney Plus, Netflix, Spotify. Apple TV, you're going to see a little thing that says Xbox Game Pass. That'll be next. Super exciting stuff. Guys, let's keep it rolling because it is the month of May and we got a brand new update for Xbox and some exciting stuff for you social media users, you young kids like myself. You might get amped up on the next one up here, but Team Xbox is now excited to continue bring you new ways to make Xbox better with you at the center as we refine the experience and deliver brand new features based on your feedback. This month's update will bring you an activity feed on the Xbox app for iOS and Android in the form of stories. You'll be able to create, share, and view stories with your friends in the Xbox app and adding priority tags for console gaming experiences with quality uh, quality of service tagging. Let's kick it off right now. Paris Lily, Gary Whitty, you both have children. I'm a small child to both of you. I love social media. And I've actually told you on this show before, how much I want that Xbox app to feel almost like Instagram and Twitter, right? I want to be at the center of it all with my Xbox at the forefront. And I love the app being able to message, check achievements, right? See where my friends are at. And now the idea of maybe having a social wall where I can see Paris won his first game in last Spartan standing. I can like that or send a quick message over there. I love this and I'm very excited about it right now. I actually checked on my phone. It is only actual video game stories up there. So like the Forza Horizon team has one, Halo has one, and it is cool to see and like kind of page through almost like an Instagram or Twitter. So I'm amped up about this, but I got to ask my two gaming dads, does this speak to you? Or are you never going to use this? Paris Lily, tell me. Well, yeah, as, as a dad, am I going to use it? Probably not. <laughs> but, <laughs> but like you're saying, my kids, yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I could definitely see that for sure. Especially my youngest. Um, I, she's really into all that stuff. So I could definitely see her doing it. Oh, man, that's going to be so much fun. Yeah, hey, Wida, I've seen you share some crowns that you've won in Fall Guys before in other games. Are you going to use this feature? Oh, yeah. What about the Albatross I got in Mario Golf back <laughs> in the day? I think I shared that one about 50 times. Um yeah, no, I think, it's, I think it's really interesting. I think this is an area where Microsoft and Xbox has, has actually always been a little bit better than Sony. I just kind of felt like they're the social side mm -hmm. of, of things. And I've mentioned this before. I just always kind of feel like the, on Xbox, the, it, it just feels a little more alive than over on the PlayStation side, where it's all the same stuff, but just the way they present it, it just feels a little more sterile to me. I just kind of feel like the, so, the social side of it, and, and my, Xbox have just kind of got their got their arms around that a little bit better than Sony. And the idea of, you know, I, to be fair though, I, I hardly ever look at that Xbox app on my phone. I, I only look at it when I need to. Um, it's not something I'm checking, you know, I check, you know, Twitter and Instagram and those other networks 50 times a day. 
Um, but I'm not like, oh, what's up on my Game Pass app? But imagine if they, if they could get there. Imagine the idea of if they could create something akin to a video game-centric social network that allows you to kind of feel more connected to the people that you're playing with. I do find it interesting, like just on just in the Xbox um, uh, UI itself, when I when I go to my achievements, and it doesn't just tell me the achievements that I've got, but like the people on my friends is how they're right. doing. You know, mm -hmm. I, I see that Snowbike Mike just got got you know 75 achievement points this week or whatever and it's kind of interesting you know it can almost be competitive there was one point when i was playing a ton of halo and a couple of other games where i was actually really like i was the number one ranked among my friends for achievement points that week and i felt i felt kind of good about that so i think the more they lean into those social network uh type aspects and the ability to leave comments to to leave likes basically steal from twitter still you know look, look at what works on twitter look at what works on instagram apply that to um, the video game community and the yeah, the idea of a video game specific social network, I think, is there. I think there's a, a ton of potential there that has not yet been tapped into. I'm so excited, Gary. You, you saying all that gets me excited because that's what I do want. I don't know if it will ever become the Instagram and the Twitters of the world, but I do think it is a more fun way to continue to be social and use that platform. Right? I'm on it six to eight hours a day. I like to be social and talk with my friends and do all that. So I think. This is the next logical step, which is exciting to me. Did you yeah. did you also yeah. see um, uh, that they're going to start utilizing TikTok to basically give Game Pass updates on like suggestions on, on games to, for really? people to, to check out? Yeah, yeah, I saw I saw somebody from Xbox uh, tweeting about that the other day. So I think that's another cool cool yeah. avenue for them socially to be able to do. It's pretty smart as well. I like that, Paris, because, of course, we can relate it here to kind of funny, right? You see mm -hmm. Greg and the team here, they have leaned into TikTok over this past year, right? It's been a big initiative of ours as a team to do unboxings with Barrett or to do the quick, hey, here's our easy review for you to digest. If you want right. to learn more, come check out the content. And I do love that, right? And I do like seeing brands that I identify with, like Xbox. If they were to do that, that's something that I would sit there and watch for 15 seconds and keep scrolling maybe it does wake you up to go check out trek to yomi you never know right i, I yeah. like that idea that sounds awesome um guys paris you talked about having a big week personally but also in the video game world we all woke up on monday kind of stunned because square enix sold off three of their you know studio developers to the embracer group so here's a quick rundown and then why does it have to do with xbox of course the Embracer Group has entered into an agreement to purchase three Square Enix studios, Crystal Dynamics, Eidos Montreal, and Square Enix Montreal, this past week for $300 million U.S. dollars. Why you as an Xbox fan should know is because, of course, Crystal Dynamics has partnered up with the initiative, and they're making perfect dark. So we want to know if that team is still on track and what they're going to do. The tweet from the initiative after the Crystal Dynamics acquisition went like this. Quote, we're excited to see Crystal Dynamics take these next steps with their studio. Our teams have made great progress in building Perfect Dark together as co-development partners, and we will we will be continuing this work with them in their next chapter. Paris, I'll kick off with you here. Does this worry you at all as we start to transition into new ownership that maybe Perfect Dark slows down, has some bumps in the road as we move around, or is this hey, this train is moving, we don't have to worry about it, and it's all going to be good. Yeah, I mean, I would assume the train's just moving. I don't think this slows anything down because it just sounds like the agreements are in that are in place are in, pla are in place. So whatever that team at Crystal Dynamics is doing to help the initiative with Perfect Dark, it shouldn't stop their momentum uh, unless all of a sudden people wanted to leave Crystal Dynamics because of this acquisition and didn't want to work there anymore. Um, it, it, it's funny when, when all this went down, Perfect Dark was literally my first thought, though. I go, Perfect Dark, what, what's going to happen with it? But then I, I saw the the new, I'm like, ah, okay, every, everything will be fine with it. If anything, I'm actually surprised that Microsoft didn't just try to acquire Crystal Dynamics outright um, and just make them a, a part of Xbox Game Studios, and then now they can continue to work on Perfect Dark and anything else. But again, we don't know what those, those backroom deals look like and why things happen the way that they do, but... No, I don't. I don't think this affects Perfect Dark at all. I think whatever the development cycle is right now, that probably continues pretty much un uninterrupted. Gary, okay, what do you agree? Uninterrupted, no problems here. Yeah, I don't think it'll it'll change very much, and it's probably ultimately a good move for the future of these studios. The fact the fact that they were willing to sell tells me that Square Enix weren't particularly interested in 
in in these in these studios at this point. They don't they don't fit into their overall plan for whatever reason. So if you're not interested in you know give them you know, sell them to someone who who will do something with them. The, my only question is is that Embracer Group you know having ha- having uh, hosted um, kind of funny games daily with Greg on many many occasions. It seems like almost every other show I host one of the stories is oh Embracer Group have bought ten more studios. They're just like hoovering up so many different. Um, places that I, I almost feel like i keep waiting for the other shoe to drop on that story like how many studios can they can they buy before they're it, it's they're too big i don't know it's ridiculous the number of the number of studios and 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 game developers that they that they own at this point so it remains to be seen if they're the uh, the right custodian for it but there's obviously a, a, a ton of um value in these uh in these studios and um to paris's point that it's interesting that if there was an opportunity to come in and scoop them up that Microsoft didn't take it because, you know, they're hoovering everyone else up these days as well. But uh, no, I, I think this is a, this is one of those, it's a business story. I don't think it's going to affect the day-to-day life of um, people like us who play video games very much. Yeah. Paris, you talk about the three studios and it's interesting that maybe Xbox didn't go for them. You look at the price tag, $300 million, right? We talked about Activision. I mean, that's a steal, right? That's a crazy steal mm-hmm. for these three studios. I mean, do you think, because there's from the outside, right? We all kind of look at it as, oh, they won't make a move and make another acquisition because they want this one to go through with Blizzard Activision. Do you think that's true? Do you think they could have swooped up Crystal Dynamics or maybe all three of these in a conversation? Or is the focus, hey, we got to get this big one done? Yeah, I mean, and that's probably the million dollar question, right? Does what they're trying to do right now with this huge acquisition for Activision affect them doing any other acquisitions during that time frame. Maybe they want to just keep the focus on that and not give the FTC or anyone else any reason to try and deny acquiring Activision. So so maybe this was just wasn't the right timing, you know, to try and try and do it. I mean, we simply won't know. We'll we'll never know. Um you would think and obviously 300 million is is nothing to sneeze at, but that's peanuts compared to what we've seen with some of these other acquisitions recently. I personally see so much value in that Deus Ex IP that they have. Like, I think there's, there's so much that you can do with that world. And I just feel like Square Enix just has dropped the ball recently with it. Um, I was so excited about like Deus Ex Mankind, things like that when that was coming out and they just didn't grab me the way that I, I hoped. So if anything with this Embracer group, grabbing Tomb Raider, grabbing Deus Ex, Let's see what they do with them. Um, even like I said, more specifically, Deus Ex, I think that's such a valuable IP that there's so much potential to, to make games around it that um, hopefully, you know, we'll, we'll hear something from that soon. Yeah, he brings up Deus Ex. I'm a big Tomb Raider guy, and that's the, you know, that's the IP that I really attach myself to. Is it weird to think that Square Enix got rid of, like, the quote-unquote Western studios here to you? What What do you think that move is? You have so much... Great IP, lore, the franchises, three studios, you know, coming off of, of course, Guardians of the Galaxy as well. Why do you think the move would be to get rid of these three? I I, I can't speak to to the, the, the business decision. And I, I think it obviously ultimately is a business decision. But it seems like Square Enix, they, they tend to have very, very high standards for what they consider success. Like I think they probably considered um guardians um uh a failure even though it, it did seem to do okay commercially and won a bunch of awards marvel's avengers obviously has been a big uh, uh failure for them i think they're probably gonna end up losing a lot of money on that game so i mean maybe you know they they may have just decided that you know as they kind of you know recalibrate their business that um you know kind of the the what what they consider themselves best at you know kind of the japanese games final fantasy um, and you know, obviously, for Spoken's coming out, and there's a, you know just the stuff that they their core business. Maybe that maybe they just kind of felt like you know trying to run and uh, and orchestrate and make money out of Western studios from afar was just for whatever reason was too much hassle. They weren't seeing enough return. Again, it always comes down to money. It's a, it's a business decision. I think they've just decided this is for whatever reason. I can't speak to it. It's just not it's not part of their overall plan anymore. So again, in that case rather than shut the studio down and and scatter everyone to the four winds uh far better for them to find you know uh, someone who actually will uh work with those studios and and might be a better parent for them well there's your news for the week on that one of course crystal dynamics and the initiative still moving forward with perfect dark so xbox fans no worries there but embracer group continues to get bigger a lot of studios a lot of ip underneath this group over here and we will see a lot more of them maybe one day 
Dead Island 2? I don't know. I don't think so, but like that would be weird. Maybe they'll do it. Who knows? To end the week, guys, we got a fun one. And this is for you, Gary Witta. We got a brand new controller coming from the Xbox team. And what? oh boy, it's <laughs> hot, Gary. Of course, this is the deep pink controller. It is now available. You got the front side, of course, that beautiful pink. And then on the back side, you have the white and black accents. Gary Witta, you're my controller aficionado. You have the collection. You getting this? Maybe I don't know. It's oh. very, it's very. Well, the, the reason I only say maybe, and you know, you know, I gotta have them all. Like, even even if I don't like it, I got, I, I gotta have it just, to, just for the for the completeness of the collection at this point. It's actually very, very similar to one I already have because it's um that's the that's the the color of the uh, the one that my daughter made through Xbox Design Lab. That hot pink or deep <laughs> is it called deep pink or whatever? I can't remember exactly what it's called, but. It's um, that we already have one that's very, very much like it. It's a little bit more garish because my, my daughter created it and she likes to see lots of lots of colors on it. But um, as I said in a, a tweet earlier this week when it was being discussed, I'm actually a big fan of pink controllers. My favorite pink controller was the Xbox 360 pink controller, but that was a lighter Ooh. that was a lighter shade of pink. And I, I preferred that one. So I, I prefer more of a kind of like a, you know, like a, a, a just like a lighter uh, almost like you know, kind of like an eggshell kind of pink, rather than the kind of the deeper, darker pink they've gone for in this in this iteration. So I, I still have my old pink Xbox Three Hundred and Sixty controller sitting around here. I, I'm I'm a big fan of that of that colorway in general. I just the, just the particular shade this time. It's just it's it's not it's not my cup of tea. I would have preferred more of like an Easter pink. Personally, will I see a nice? HD photo on your Twitter account here soon enough of you with this pink controller. What do you think? I, I kind of want it. I really yeah. do. But, <laughs> but I, I, man, I have so many controllers. <laughs> I, I don't need it. I don't need it. I want it. So uh, I, I will probably pass on this one, but yeah, I'm, I'm with Gary. I, I love the pink. I think maybe if my daughter bugs me for it, I'll get it for her. But, but yeah, I'm, I'm going to pass this time, but yeah, it's, I was excited to see it when it came out. Guys, I have some sad news talking about controllers. We got to just take a moment of silence. This is my Xbox Elite version two, number four of my collection of these controllers that is now broken once again. It has gone down. The right bumper is broken. Oh, no. Just like the left bumper on the other three that I've had. So I've now moved on from four of these controllers. Mike, I just I, can't I, get any love with these I, controllers. I feel like the problem here at this point is you. What are you doing to these bumpers <laughs> exactly. that they keep breaking on you, my dude? You know, I don't know what it is. Maybe triggers it's the, aren't even bumpers anymore. That was like may, two generations ago. Like, come on. Maybe man. it's the maybe it's the Elden Ring, right? And I'm like really clutching up and I'm trying to do the light attacks. Maybe it's Fortnite and I'm trying to shuffle through the gear. Maybe it's me trying to grapple shot things in Halo, but I just can't get a break. With these elite controllers I'm just and like the what you're doing, like off stream, you know, like you like on stream, you whipped a Joy-Con into the ceiling. Make like maybe you're doing that with an Xbox controller. I don't know. You know, it's it's interesting. It could be a couple of different things. First of all, yeah, I mean, my, it could just be Mike. I have no doubt. Like, if, if that thing had had an if that if that thing had an odometer on it, I'm sure it would have like rolled over a couple of times already. I'm sure like the Snowbite Mike controllers get punished way more oh, than yeah. you know, an average gamers. At the same time, I remember when I first got my Elite Two. I had a bunch of people in my Twitter comments saying, "Oh, I hope that's I hope it's more reliable than the Elite One because I've been through like three of those. They they had a, I know they had a lot of um, hardware issues, and I don't know what the situation's been on the Elite Two, but I, I I have heard many a story about about hardware reliability issues on on the Elite, which is it's, it's surprising, right? Do you think that would be they'd be least likely to break, right? Better quality materials, you're paying a lot of money for that controller. It's the last one you would want to see." Uh, break, but uh, I have heard of that. Don't you have the Master Chief one to fall back on, though, Mike? I do, Gary, and that's one I, I'm ready to fall back. So we will go to number five here on my list. Absolutely, <laughs> what but, you got but, for but me? I, I I do want to provide a counter to, to okay. what you said. I, I have had this Elite controller since I guess what was it October 2019? I believe. Wow, I, I believe time. that. Believe that's when they came out, right? I want to say that. No issues wow. at all. Oh my God! Yours is surviving, Paris. Yeah, okay. No issues. So it's maybe it's a you me. problem, Mike. It's yeah. Maybe it's me. Maybe it's me. I, I do want to bring up somebody in the live chat. My good close friend Kevin Asex says he was playing Halo uh, last part and standing last night, and that might have been it because I was getting sweaty and uptight. <laughs> a lot of people were beating me down, so maybe it was on me. Now, now I will also say this too. This has probably lasted this long because I know how pricey this is. <laughs> And when I do want to rage and throw a controller, I think twice and I don't do it. So, so maybe that's why. 
There you go. Got to take care of it. Guys, that was the news of the week. We're going to end the show with a fun one. We have a viewer question coming in from Kelso O'Donnell, and we're going to shift tones a little bit. We're smiling and having some fun, but I have a special one for you. This viewer question really hit me. Gary and Paris and myself, was there ever a game that truly moved you, brought you out to tears of sadness, joy, or invoked profound emotion and or reflections? I'm sure the answer is yes, but please share the story with us. Oh, oh, I, I, that's an easy one oh, for me. Walking, got it, yes. Walking Dead season one. Oh. By, by the time we got to the end of that, like before I did like that last episode, I was literally like, I, I, I was almost shaking. Like I didn't want to do it because I was just so worried about Clementine. I was like, and then obviously I don't want to spoil anything, but if you played it, you know how it ends. Oh yeah. Tears. Absolute oh, tears. And what, at, at, what at the end, yeah, it was so good. Gary Witta. I mean, you're, you're our story, man. You have brought people to tears and joy with some of your stories that you've created. Are there others that make you feel the same way in the video game world? I, I've, I've said it a hundred times before and, and, and sure many on this show, but journey. And, um, no. you know, that, that, that's a game that, you know, you don't even think of as having, a traditional narrative in terms of, you know, a, a, a particularly kind of coherent or, um, uh, or very fleshed out story. There's no dialogue, you know, there's, 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 you, there's very little context provided. The story, I mean, the story's there for you to uncover you by the, by the time you've got to the end of the, the, the game, if you've been paying attention, you understand basically what the story is, but it's not told in a traditional way. It's told in a very suggestive kind of evocative. You kind of pick it up as you go along uh, kind of way, but that but between the music and you know the kind of catharsis that you that you feel at the end of the game, kind of life and death, and uh, the experience of kind of meeting friends along the way who help you, and it's just this be- it's just a beautiful emotional ride that I still think about you know, many years later. One of one of the most emotional experiences I've had, not just playing games, but in any artistic medium. Good one, you two. Uh, of course, I'm going to give you a little two-parter. One is easy. I'm a big sucker for superheroes and their big coming out moments. So Spider-Man Miles Morales just got me, right? That one oh, broke oh, me. Man. I was not yeah, ready yes, for. Yes, and yes. it it's so fun. We talk about that gameplay. You talk about the traversal, the movement, the gameplay, and how much fun it is. And then all of a sudden at the end, it just be in full tears. I was like, oh, you got me again. And I'm usually like that with all those movies. But another one that really made me reflect and think about things was Sayonara Wild Hearts from the music to the visuals, Queen Latifah coming in with just small pieces of dialogue and that story of, you know, coming out of a breakup and getting out of that rut, finding yourself again, moving forward was really powerful. I think everybody can, of course, identify with that, right? We've all been in relationships that have been good, bad, ugly, and we've moved on, but that kind of just feeling of like, oh, I know that feeling. and I've been in that spot. And then I know that feeling of getting out of it and being empowered and finding something new and exciting. It, it still sticks with me. And that soundtrack is so special. And it's funny, Paris, you actually tweeted out about um, the awesome game one. What it, Paris, down in San Francisco, we talked with Tim Schaefer about the cool game uh, presentation conference that they always do that I love. Day of the Devs. Day of the Devs. When I went down there, I talk about how special that was. The actual, the artist put on a live concert of all those songs mm-hmm. there in the garden. And I was like, man, I feel it all over again. And so I, I got to give a big shout out to Sayonara Wild Heart. That's a, I, I love that now. game. That was a really, really cool game. The I music's a big part of that. Oh, so good. And so I got to kick it off before we leave. Barrett, you got to get up here. You're part of the team. What's one game for you? Uh, this one I'm shouting out, uh, not only because it's my second favorite game of all time, but because I believe it is on Xbox Game Pass for people to check out. Undertale, um, is one that, uh, you know, there's a couple of different, uh, playthroughs that you can do of that game with different endings. Uh, the story that I always tell is, you know, I, I I did the first, uh, playthrough where you get the neutral ending. took me about five hours. I was like, oh, yeah, that was a cool game. I was, I was really into that. Um, and then a uh, friend of the show, Alex O'Neill, hit me up, and he was like, all right, now go through, play the game in pacifist mode. Uh, don't kill anybody, um, and you'll get a different ending. And I was like, all right, I can I can spare another couple hours. And so a couple of days later, I got the, the true pacifist ending, and it, like, it broke me down at, like, midnight or something. And uh, at the time, uh, Alyssa, who we were just dating, we were a couple of uh, years into dating, and... Um, 
she woke up and like saw me like just totally just bawling. Um, and she's like, what's wrong? I was like, I beat Undertale. She's like, I thought you beat that the other day. I was like, yeah, but it's different now. Um, yeah, that one really struck me with, um, how I interpreted a lot of the relationships, uh, in the end of that game. It, it, it brought a lot of memories of, um, one of my best friends growing up who <clears throat> unfortunately passed of cancer around the time that I moved mm. to San Francisco. Um, and so that it, it just kind of like, it, it felt like a kind of like almost a, a closure that I had had, uh, with that, uh, relationship in experiencing that video game that I hadn't really had since then so that was that was one that really got me in a way that I, I i think no other video game has before so barrett i just googled sorry i just youtubed undertale pacifist ending and all of these movies all of these videos are like 45 minutes long is it a really long ending or is this like the whole game i'm looking at or something uh it's probably the ending itself it probably starts from like the um beginning of the boss fight like the boss fight kind of takes like a few phases and then because there's a lot of like dialogue being shared in in between like uh phases of the boss fight and then yeah there's a little bit of like closure after the the final boss and stuff like that so uh yeah the it, it gets a little beefy in the end especially in the true pacifists so i should um, put this on my steam deck and finally play it but also like i don't appreciate like the subtle just like a reminder of like everybody and their uncle has a steam deck except for greg miller and barry i know it's it's so awesome we're getting them guys that will conclude this week's episode thank you so much for sharing thank you to joseph staten the head of creative over at halo infinite for joining us for an awesome interview hopefully all of you got something special out of that hopefully you're enjoying Season 2, Lone Wolves. We'll see you out there for Last Spartan Standing. But on behalf of Paris Lilly, Gary Witta, Barrett Courtney, and myself, thank you all so much for joining us for another Kind of Funny X-Cast. We will see you next week for more games and fun. Peace, everybody.